Blog Talk Radio. God is good. Up down. Everybody say. I want to tell you that God been good. Everybody say all of my life. Come on, giant say. All of my life. God been good. Oh. Everybody say God.
This is the kind of radio you need. Yes, Jesus is a morning radio. Old radio for real people. I wish somebody would make some noise in here like they came to celebrate Jesus. I say this, what can I say, my God? About your mercy, what can I say? About your grace, all that I know is that you've been faithful, all that I know is I love to call your name. Now if I say you're good, you can Better than that. If I say you're great, you've been greater than that. If I say you're sweet, you've been sweeter than that. You've been more and more in my life. Talk about you, my Lord. If I say you're rich, you've been greater than that. If I say you're strong, you've been stronger than that. If I say you're holy, you more than that. You can more and more in my life. He'll make you wanna sing. Makes me wanna sing. I wish some folk would dance a little bit here and have a good time. That's what we're here for tonight is present. What can I say about your mercy? What can I say about your grace? All that I know is that you've been faithful. One thing for sure is I love to call your name. Now if I say you're good, you've been better than that. If I say you're great, you've been greater than that. If I say you're sweet, you've been sweeter than that. You've been more and more in my life. Can you say it again? It's been more Jesus, have a good time tonight. Shoot, 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 shoot. He'll make you want to sing. Shoot. Now come on, y'all, lift your voice. Help us say tonight. Help us say. If I say you're good, you've been better than that. Come on, say it now. If I say you're great, you've been greater than that. If I say you're sweet, you've been sweeter than that. You've been more and more. Come on, talk to your father tonight. Talk to your father tonight. Come on, tell him tonight. If I say you're rich, you've been richer than that. If I say you're strong, you've been stronger than that. If I say you're holy, you're more than that. You've been more. Right now, 
Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. In this place, everybody, everybody, somebody, scream. I know you've been good, but you've been bad. Because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength in our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life, eternal life, God. We pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're no short of your promise, Lord, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, and give us a refilling, Lord, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh? we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh? that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, huh? they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Huh? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Huh? We thank you because you are a healer. Huh? You're the God that healeth thee. Huh? 
and healing is in your wings. And you're able to touch our feeble bodies. You're able to save our troubled souls. And in the name of Jesus, bind every demon, Lord. Every demonic force, Lord. God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord. Because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find, God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to you, Lord. Because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord. Because you're the answer, God, for our troubled lives, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise. you guys I am nervous I don't get nervous to talk here much anymore I mean I've been doing this for a long time but today's video I'm kind of nervous and I'm asking the Lord to give me the right words to share a message with you but this is this is casual this is me talking to my girlfriend this is me sharing a part of my story with you guys so I hope that it's received well and I hope that if anything um it just it I don't know, opens somebody's eyes or impacts just one of you guys out there or causes you to think about something, then I think there will be meaning behind what I'm about to share. I feel like I need like a fidget toy or something to put in my hands because like I'm just going to be all over the place. So bear with me. So anyway, I have talked to you guys lately about, you know, how Joe and I have been really diving into our faith and I've gotten questions all the time asking for me to share my testimony, asking for me to share just more about my faith. So that's what today's video is going to be about. There's so much on this topic that I can sit down and talk about and I plan on doing that in the future and doing more videos like this where we can talk about different topics and I'd love to share how my faith has affected, you know, my family and my kids and just how I've been able to go about life and the peace that I've found. Like there's so many good things honestly that I want to be able to share, but today I think is a good kind of place to start with and I've been feeling very convicted 
to share part of my story with you guys. So I shared it in a vlog the other day that the priest that married Joe and I, he came over for dinner and we got to chat with him. And one of the questions that he asked during our dinner together is he asked both Joe and I, like, what what has caused you? Like, what caused the both of you guys to really, like, dive into your faith? And what caused each of you to kind of, like, feel that pull towards coming back to your faith? And, like, for Joe, it's really more about, like, discovering faith in general. For me, it was more about coming back. And so I want to share what that, like, pivotal moment for me was that really was, like, the biggest kick in the butt I could have ever gotten that really shook me to my core. <laughs> that got me on this path that I've been on now. For honestly, the last couple of years, as much as like you've seen a big shift lately, this has been something that's been building for the last few years, and I'm gonna tell you why. So for a little bit of context, and just so you guys can know a little bit about my background, I was raised Catholic. I was pretty much a cradle Catholic. Like my parents were Catholic, and I was raised to go into a Catholic church. I was baptized. I did my first communion. I did, you know, my confession. I did uh, confirmation. I did all of my sacraments. I started going to Catholic school in the seventh grade. So I went to Catholic school from then through high school. I went to a Catholic high school. And I'd say that during my high school years, like I was very still into my faith. I was actually part of the campus ministry team at our school. So that means like we did retreats. And for whatever reason, like I knew that faith was important, but either like, I don't know, just life in general and like experience hadn't really hit me yet where I had to really rely on my faith. So I kind of took it for granted, honestly, like looking back now. But all that to say, like then I hit the college years. The college years, <laughs> I'm very sorry to my parents. The college years are kind of hard because of course, you know, now I thought I was an adult. I met a boy that I really liked, got into all the things that you're not supposed to get into, not everything, but you know, a lot of things that went against like how I was raised. And, you know, of course, like I just, I thought that I knew better. And that kind of led me to not only question my faith, but like question the validity of it, question the authority of it. And in my mind, I was kind of like, you know, like how could God think that this is a bad thing when like I love this guy, you know, like that typical like college years of like, I don't understand why there's rules. I don't understand why God tells me I can't do certain things or why I'm supposed to behave or act a certain way. Like at the end of the day, I'm a good person. I love everybody. Um, and that's kind of my mentality. That was my mentality at that point. Like I'm a good person. You know, I pray to God at night. Um, I still have somewhat of a relationship. So like, I'm good. I'm chilling. Like, let me do it on my own terms. That's kind of the headspace that I was in. So it's been a long time now. Like I'm 31 years old. I'm going to be 32 next month. And so a lot of my 20s, honestly, was very much a blur. Like I do think that I still maintain like going to church, not as regularly as we used to, not every Sunday. You know, we definitely did church, you know, like on Easter and on Christmas, like on all like the holidays and stuff. But I don't think it was like as consistent as it used to be. And then in my late 20s, that's kind of around the time where um, like I met Joe. I did end up moving in with Joe before we got married. Like I lived with him in his apartment for a couple years. And Joe didn't really have any kind of faith background, just so you guys can like understand where we were together. Like he was baptized in a Christian church, but he didn't grow up going to church. So he was kind of like along for the ride. Like, hey, if you want to check out a church, we can. Like he wasn't opposed to it, but it wasn't like his thing. It was totally like if anybody's thing, my thing. And so I would occasionally drag him to church and I would occasionally drag him, you know, to check out some different churches. And I would honestly leave 
going to church sometimes, like I would leave the church and be like, like, I don't get this. I don't really understand why I do this. I kind of had like a really bad taste in my mouth, <laughs> if I'm being honest, like about the Catholic church and like the fact that we would go to church. A lot of times like the homily was like about like giving money and donating money. And I'm like, hello, like if I'm trying here to have a relationship with Jesus, like then you're talking to me about giving money. And like, I just, I, I didn't love it, to be honest. I just, I was not in a good space. I didn't Love the idea of going to church every Sunday. Maybe in the back of my head, I knew that it was what I should do, but it wasn't something that I was drawn to. It wasn't something that I was excited about. So I just say that to like contrast, like where I am today. And if you guys are regular followers, you guys know like I have never been more excited to go to church. And I am going to a Catholic church, by the way, in case like I, I didn't mention that. Like I've had a very falling out with the Catholic Church and now I am fully embracing Catholicism and it has been the greatest blessing in my life and my family's life. And I hope that over the course of like, you know, all these videos and stuff, like I'll be able to share more of that with you guys. But anyway, wasn't loving it. Honestly, wasn't loving it. Then as the years kind of went by, I started getting really involved and like kind of hooked on a lot of self-help kind of stuff and reading books about business and self-help because I at the time like I started off with a blog I'm sure you guys have heard me say this story like I started off before I was on YouTube I started off with a website um, I even wrote a book so I published a book um, and then after doing like the online content for a while where I had my website then I transitioned to YouTube but during that time I spent hours of my life hours like listening to business podcasts. On my way to work, I would just listen to all the things about business and, uh, I don't know, productivity. Basically, like, getting a master's degree in business through, like, all these different books and resources and all of that. And that was a really big focus for a while. My life was very different back then before I had kids and stuff. Like, now I don't have time to listen to a business podcast. Like, that's, like, at the bottom of my list. But that was kind of, um, like, the focus of where my head was at. I was working on building my business, building my YouTube channel. And so I feel like I got into this realm that's really messy. And I got into this realm that from a faith perspective, it's it's not what you want to do, but it's hard to avoid it. And I know that this is like all just like word vomit. What I'm talking about, if you haven't figured that out yet, is like a lot of like the new age practices. A lot of what you see these days, and again, this is probably gonna offend some people because a lot of you guys out there might participate in some of this stuff. And I did too. So that's why like I'm sharing this story because I've been on that side of it and I'm gonna tell you what happened to me that like led me to not do that anymore. I think in today's culture, especially like in this, I don't know, this like obsession that we have with like ourselves honestly like and this idea of like self-help and being the best selves that we can be like I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to better yourself but as a Christian I think we all know that like the only way to better yourself is through like reading the scripture through living a holy life I don't know like we have all these questions that we want answered and instead of turning to the Bible instead of turning to the church we turn instead to like horoscope and tarot cards and palm readings and the idea of like manifesting things crystals and like moon gatherings and things like that that are honestly super scary and super destructive and the hard part about it is that it's alluring a lot of times it doesn't look like it's something that's bad it looks like something that's 
beautiful and positive and you've got these beautiful crystals and you've got um, just a really romanticized kind of version of these really dark practices. And I was one of those people that for a long time I was like, this can't be a bad thing. Like, okay, so every once in a while I pick up a magazine and I look at my horoscope and I'm a Leo. I tell you guys all the time, Joe's a Virgo. And yes, there are certain tendencies that each of us have that kind of align with our horoscope. And I was like, how can this be at all? Like, hurtful or harmful like it's stupid honestly but I honestly never realized how aligned these sort of practices are with like really dark stuff like the occult like witchcraft and again you're probably listening to me thinking this this lady is a freaking looney tune okay and I, I get it if all I do in this video is get you to maybe question a practice or look into it more or read where your church stands on some of these practices. I'm gonna do my best to like link at least a couple resources that you can maybe just watch or listen to or read because I never knew that some of these things were like not okay. And you ask yourself like, why are some of these things like not okay? A lot of these things like manifesting and some of these like honestly, like straight up witchcraft practices like you're looking for power or you're looking for answers in something that isn't the Lord. And like that literally goes against the first commandment where like God is the only God. Like the ultimate source of power is from God. So if your power or your answers are coming from something that is not God, then that means that you're treating something else as God and you're worshiping something that isn't God. And you can see if you're a Christian how that would not be a good thing. So I'll tell you a little bit about my story. So I got into, I even feel bad because like at one point in time, like I got into, I had bought a book called like Manifesting Money and I shared it, like I shared it on my Instagram account and if you bought it because I recommended it, like I am so sorry. Like I am sorry from the bottom of my heart, throw it away, burn it, whatever. But it's one of those things that, you know, it took me a while to realize that that's number one, like money is, money is not the end all be all. Like let's just get that clear. Um, but this idea that we can manifest things or I don't know, this obsession that we have with like energy and positive energy and all of this stuff, like everything that we have comes from the Lord. You know, everything that is good comes from the Lord. And I don't want this to like come off as super preachy, okay? Because again, I was there. Like I was that person having conversations with people not too long ago going, you know, oh, like just put it out into the universe. And I remember like my mom would get mad at me because my mom would be like, you're not putting it out to the universe. Like you're putting it out to God. There isn't this concept of like, oh, the universe is God. Like God created the universe. God is God. And the universe is a part of his creation. So if you're going to worship someone, don't, don't worship the universe, like worship God. And so, you know, all of those little things always like stuck in the back of my head. Of course, at the time when I was, you know, a young adult trying to figure out the world for myself, I thought, obviously she's dumb. Obviously, like I got this figured out. I'm going to be all right. But looking back now, like I realized like how wrong I was and like the fact that I really dipped my toes in things that are very scary and are very not okay and that opened the doors to dark things and opened the door to dark practices and dark spirits. And if you are a Christian, um, then you ought to know, and I mean you should know, that we 
face like a real amount of spiritual warfare like that is absolutely true there are dark spirits and dark forces and principalities like all of that is stated in the bible that's not like oh just somebody made up some term like all of those things are in the bible when you start doing things like you know playing with a ouija board or going and getting your palm reading like you might think that it's like silly and that it doesn't really mean anything but i a thousand percent at this point in my life believe that it's not as harmless as you might think. And what's difficult about it and what's, um, I guess, hard to fight against is the fact that for the most part, a lot of these occult kind of new age things, they don't look dark and scary. They don't look like all the time, like, oh, there's you know a bunch of witches dressed in black, you know, with doing a seance with candles burned and you know you're worshiping satan like most of the time that's not the case does that exist absolutely but most of the time that's not what it is most of the time it looks a lot prettier like i said and it looks like how could this possibly be a bad thing and so i think that's like satan's ultimate like play where it's like oh i'm gonna get these people to do this um but it's actually not for God and it's actually taking people away from God and that is dangerous. All right, so all of that to kind of lead up to like my actual story and like the moment that I felt like, okay, I need to really focus on Jesus. I really need to um, repent honestly of the things that I've been doing or dabbling in. This is kind of what happened. So years ago, I'm not gonna tell you where I met her or how I met her or who this person was, but I met, and befriended you know this person she was super cool she had an instagram presence all of that and i i hit it off with her honestly she seemed like a super cool person and again i don't think that she has any necessarily bad intention um i just think honestly that she's just a little bit misguided and i don't wish her any harm that's why i'm not gonna like publicly call her out or anything but i befriended this person really liked her really got along with her um and I started following her, whatever. And it just so happens that she is very into, you know, new age kind of things. And she would, um, she would lead like a lot of these like Reiki. Like, honestly, I don't even know exactly what Reiki is, but I would honestly stay away from it. Um, but like Reiki, and there was some kind of event that she promoted that, to be honest, I can't even tell you the exact name of it, but it was something along the lines of like a new moon ceremony or like a new moon dedication or something and the way that it was promoted was like hey we're gonna be like i don't know like you submit your name i'm gonna light a candle for you because of the energy of the moon and we're gonna do some kind of like ceremony and it's gonna be you know like we're offering up like an intention like almost almost like a prayer only like not and so in that moment and where i was in my life i was like oh it's like such a beautiful beautiful thing and so I participated in one of those where I gave her my name I tuned into like the YouTube I think it was an Instagram live so that way like she could show you that your candle was set up and it had your name on it all of that and at the time again I thought no this is really cool really nice and um, the thing is like there was absolutely no mention of God in that there was no like it was just so far removed from you know, Christianity and from this belief in this one powerful God. So I did that. It was kind of like in the late afternoon, nighttime. And I went to sleep that night. And I had, I had the scariest dream 
that I have ever had in my entire life. And like when I was sharing this story with the priest that came over to bless our house, um, like I told him, I can't remember exactly the details of the dream because either it was years ago, so I have a bad memory, or there has been some kind of mental block placed on the details because they were that traumatic. But all I know for certain, a thousand percent in my bones, is that I woke up in the middle of the night terrified because in my dream, I saw either some kind of demonic presence or Satan himself in my dream. It was a dark something in my dream. And like I have like bad dreams every once in a while, but this was different. Like this was terrifying. And I woke up thinking, oh my God, like did I just see the devil? And I was in tears. And for some reason, I I remember just having it click for me. Like, maybe what I just did was, like, not, not good, maybe. And spending that entire night in my bed, on my phone, like, looking up, like, what does the Catholic Church say about, you know, Reiki or about chakras or about, like, all of these new age things and doing, like, a deep dive on why certain things aren't allowed or endorsed or permitted, why they are just not good. And I remember being like shaken to my core because I was number one, super, super like sad that I hurt God in that way. And I was super like, I didn't think it was as bad as it really is, you know? And so my intention wasn't ever to like straight up like say, hey, I'm, I'm going to worship Satan tonight. <laughs> like that wasn't ever my intention. And so I remember just being sad and being sorry, like from the bottom of my heart being sorry and like talking to God and coming to him in prayer and saying like, like my bad. Like I, I didn't think that that's what I was doing by doing this. Like I'm sorry for offending you and I'm sorry for, you know, doing this terrible thing. And like that, honestly, like that moment was a huge really turning point for me where I decided in that moment like okay number one I obviously don't know enough about my faith um, because if I did then I wouldn't have just participated in what I participated in and number two like I have this desire to get closer to God and I have this desire to not offend him and to not keep doing these things that are you know are bad you know like I don't even know I don't even have the word so from that point forward I feel like that was the moment where I decided I want to start reading devotionals I want to start reading my Bible I want to start learning more about my faith um, and it's been a journey it's been a long journey because that was back when I was in the in the house back in Miami where we lived before we moved to Virginia so I don't know maybe a period of like the past like three four years where it's been baby steps like it's been hey, let me just open up my Bible. Let me pray more. Let me try to go back to church more. Let me start reading devotionals and, you know, finding ways to really place God where he belongs, which is at the forefront of absolutely everything. And then more recently, like coming to Virginia in the last maybe six months is really when we made the turn towards like actually practicing a Catholic lifestyle. But that was the moment, you guys. And I've just been feeling really convicted to share that because I don't know I feel like we I haven't really seen or heard in like in like the people that I follow online and the, the people that I follow on Instagram where there's a lot of talk about lots of things these days but there hasn't been 
really too much focus on like new age occult practices. And in the last day, it just so happened that there was somebody that I followed that posted a story that said something to the fact of like, oh my goodness, I literally just stumbled upon like a real life witch on Instagram. Like she was hosting like moon gatherings and like all of these things. I was like, that sounds eerily familiar and I don't even want to know what she's doing. So that was one thing. And then just yesterday, there was an article that was posted where Kat Von D, I've never really followed Kat Von D. I know that she's kind of like one of those like goths, you know, she had her makeup line or had her makeup line and, you know, all the eyeliner and stuff. But she came out saying that she was really into a lot of occult practices and a lot of these things and how, if I read the article correctly, like she threw that all away. And she says in her article, like, I didn't want all of those dark spirits and things to affect her family and to affect her life, basically. And that was really powerful. That was like a really powerful thing to read because I was like, oh, my God, like somebody is is getting it. And I think if I'm not mistaken, maybe some of you guys know, too. I think once upon a time ago, I heard Dati, if you follow Dati on like YouTube that has like, you know, all her makeup stuff. I think also too, part of her recent like testimony was that I think she was into some new age stuff and she completely turned against it. And I think that was like the first thing that I had heard recently kind of like about something on that subject. So that's me sharing my story too. And that's me just giving you something to think about maybe. And like I said, I think it's it's hard because when you think of demonic spirits and you think about evil and darkness and all of this stuff, like maybe it would make sense that you don't touch a Ouija board, right? Like there's some people that are like, oh, it's stupid. This can't be anything bad. It is. Um, but maybe you can understand like, hey, maybe I'm not going to touch a Ouija board. And like, I'll never forget years ago when uh, I used to watch American Horror Story, there was a, se- a whole like uh, year, you know, whole series, a season that was like the coven, I think is what it was called, but it was literally about witchcraft. And I watched the first episode of that and I said, oh, heck no, like absolutely not. Um, that's not happening. Like that kind of stuff is freaky and it should be because there's nothing good that comes from that. Like there's no such thing as like, good witches and bad witches like it's just not good like you don't want to open yourself up to those powers to that darkness because like i said if it's not coming from god it's not good it is not it's not good but again like there's certain things that you're like okay well yeah that's kind of dark like hey maybe i'm not going to go to the church of satan you know those kinds of things um but there's a lot of other things that are just portrayed in such a positive light, especially these days in this culture, um, things that appear to be self-help, that appear to be about just being your best self and living your best life. And in practice, like the reality of it is that it's a lot darker than it looks. You know, in talking to our priest, you know, we got into a conversation just about like society today and just like the fact that there's so much darkness and there's so much evil and how he fully believes that there's just so much more of a demonic presence in the culture and why is that because a lot more people are turning to things like this instead of turning to god instead of going to church on sunday they're opening themselves up to a lot of these forces that are not good and it's sad um there's a bit of it that is scary i mean as a believer 
we we know how like the game ends. We know that God has won that battle. Um, but obviously, living in the day and age, like, it is scary. Like I said, I hope that if anything, just having this conversation maybe makes you second guess, or maybe it convicts you enough to throw away all your freaking crap that you have laying around, all your crystals, your tarot card. Is it tarot? Tarot? I don't even know how to say the word. Throw them away. Throw away your manifesting books. Like instead, open up a devotional, open up your Bible. There are going to be people that don't agree. And I, I get it. Doesn't mean that I think that you're a horrible person. It just means that I personally believe that you're misguided. I, I truly believe that because I was. I was misguided. I was that person. And so like, it's not me throwing a stone or, or trying to make you feel like a piece of caca. Like, I love you. And that's why I'm telling you. I'm telling you like an older sister or like a friend that truly loves you. Like, that's not the direction that you want to go in. You want to go in the direction of turning to God and turning to your church, turning to the Bible and living a holy life and knowing that the ultimate source of power and happiness, um, that comes from your faith comes from God. So I'm really looking forward, honestly, to seeing what kind of conversations can be had maybe in the comments. Um, please, please feel free to share your own testimony if this is something that you're really convicted on. Um, or, you know, feel free to share what your experiences have been. I think it's important enough to have a conversation, which is why I ever turn on the camera, right? Like there are things that I talk about that maybe aren't super trendy or super cool or things that I know that I'm going to get slammed about. But if I'm taking the risk of getting slammed, it's because I feel in my bones and my heart that it's important enough to talk about. So I love you guys and I thank you for listening and I thank you for taking the time out of your day to to hear me and maybe have maybe learned a little bit more about me and about my kind of background and maybe some of this makes sense to you, maybe it doesn't. Um, but I hope that over the next couple of months I can continue to answer some of those questions and again I don't have all the answers I am not Jesus I am not a priest like I am just somebody who's trying to do better every day somebody who's trying to live life better than I did yesterday like straight up like that's what I'm trying to do here and some days I fail but other days I do do better and that's absolutely all because of God's grace and I look forward to just showing you through my videos and through just me living my life, like how much better my life is these days since turning away from that kind of stuff. Since realizing that, you know, God is the most important thing in my life. I feel so much more rooted, so much more grounded, so that when I am shaken and things do happen around me that I don't like or that are uncomfortable or scary or whatever, I just, I, my, my roots, are in something that is real, in something that is truly important. And I feel so much more at peace because of it. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with feeling like they're not at peace and feeling like they don't have all the answers and like they want to know things and like there's this inner turmoil and unrest. And so I pray that you will look to the Lord because the answer is in Him. The answer is in God, and I pray that you will find that. So I love your faces, you guys. Um, thanks for being here. <laughs> Make sure to give this video a big thumbs up if you enjoyed it. Subscribe if you're new, and I will see you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.
what the mercy of God can If you knew me then, you'd believe me now. He turned my whole life upside down. Took the old hand he made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do. Now I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome His goodness and mercy and the power of His blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. So much power in the blood.
record of Luke, chapter 15, commencing in verse number 25. Verse 25 through verse number 32. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Thank you. You may be seated. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I want to talk a minute about the prodigal brother, the prodigal brother. This is one of the most famous of Jesus's parabolic messages. It's one parable in three movements. It's a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And this last movement of the parable, this certain man has two sons, and both of them are lost. We enjoy the story of the prodigal son because we follow him in his profligate moving away from the father's house. We watch him as he ventures out into the far country and enjoys himself with riotous living. We can just see him with his pants hanging down and <laughs> pocket full of money, sitting at the table with wine, women, and song. We follow his every move because he reminds us so much of us. And then we most especially enjoy the reunion when he comes to himself in the pig pen and his reasoning returns. 
We enjoy when he comes back to his senses and makes his way back to the father's house. We are excited when the father kills the fatty calf, and we are glad because there's music and dancing. The father runs out to greet him. He hugs him. He smothers him with kisses, and the story is happily ever after. And we stop at that story because we enjoy that younger son. But the elder brother, who is really one of us, I wish I had a witness here, because not everybody in here has been in the far country. Not everybody here smoke weed. Not everybody here has, has parted all night. Like, yeah, not everybody here has been on drugs. Most of us here don't have that testimony. Most of us in this 11 o'clock crowd has been in church all our lives. Been in Sunday school, Bible study, prayer meeting, BTU. We've been in church all our lives. And so we know nothing about staying drunk all night long. We know nothing about drugs. We don't know what a roach is except it's climbing on the wall. We don't know what crack is unless it's a hole in the wall. We don't know what pot is unless it's something you cook in. So we don't have the testimony of the younger boy, but we've been in church so long that we've forgotten what it feels like to be lost. And so I want to talk to you this morning. Elder brother, because I see myself in this story. Uh, the younger boy was lost as a hedonist. He gave himself to wild pleasure. He was lost as a hedonist. But the elder brother was lost as a moralist. Because while this younger boy enjoyed pleasure, this older boy lived to maintain appearances. One was a hedonist. One was a moralist. Both situations are lost. Because for the younger boy, he's lost in the far country, which is a ge geographical location. But the elder boy is lost in the house, which is a spiritual condition. So it matters not if you are in the house or out of the house, you're still lost. One is lost to hedonism. The other is lost to moralism. One is such a hedonist that all he wants is pleasure, but one is such a moralist, all he wants is to look like he's not his younger brother. Somebody ought to help me preach it. Now there are two ways you can be lost. One way is to break the rules and do everything you please. Like that younger boy. The other way to be lost is to keep all the rules and be good. And still be lost 
like that older boy. Now we don't get this because we equate being good with being saved. Let me run that by you one more time. We miss this sermon because we equate being good with being saved. But if you're only being good to earn favor with God, you're lost. If you keep all the rules so that God will have to hear your prayers and bless your life, you are still lost. Because the gospel is not be good and you will be saved. The gospel is be saved and you will be good. I almost said I wish I had my 730 crowd. But, but somebody here gets what I'm trying to say today. You cannot be good by coming to church. Because if coming to church can make you a Christian, climbing a tree can make you a squirrel. You must be. I wish I had a Bible reader here. There is none good but the Father. Now, I, want you to, I want you to look at this elder brother with me and, and see can't you see yourself in the story and go home and get on your knees and ask God to forgive you for not going to the party. It's right here in the text. I want you to look with me in verse 25 at his respectability. His elder son was in the field. Don't, don't, don't run over that. His elder son was in the field. Being an elder son made him a leader. Being in the field made him a laborer, but he was still lost. He was a leader and a laborer and lost. He's the eldest son. Now, this younger boy, up in, in verse number 11 and around verse 12, this younger boy says to his father, give me my portion of the goods that fall to me. And he takes his, father, his father's property, he liquidates it into cash and takes out for the bright lights and the broad avenues. And according to Jewish custom, Jewish tradition, this older boy was responsible to stop his younger brother from disrespecting his father. Because as the elder son, he's the leader in the family. This, this boy does not even come around when his younger brother leaves. We see no sign of him when this younger boy disrespects his father. The older boy is supposed to step in and put a stop to it, but he wants him to leave. And the reason he wants him to leave is Deuteronomy chapter 21 says he's going to get a third. The rest of what his brother didn't take, plus his father's money, all of that, it's going to come to him. So he does not even bid his brother adieu. He lets him leave 
take his journey, disrespect his father without opening his mouth. Now, I don't think any one of us would stand for our brother or our sister, a stranger even, to insult our parents. Uh, you, you crossed the line. Uh, now I'm, I may let you get away with a little more talking about my daddy. I, I might give you some wiggle room talking about my daddy. But we got to fight if you talk about my mom. I mean, just start pulling your coat off. Let's, let's just get with it right now. Because I can't let you disrespect my elders. Because if nobody stands up for them, I will. But this boy is nowhere to even tell his brother you're making the wrong choice. Because he probably wants him gone. He's a laborer. Because he's in the field when he hears music and dancing. He's in the field. He's, he's working. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but without a pure heart. Now I, want, I want you to see this. I want you to look at this boy's resentment. We've seen his respectability. He's the elder brother. He's laboring in the field. But look now at his resentment. In these, in these succeeding verses, he does not, I mentioned ago, he does not love his younger brother. Because he's not there to stop him, stop him from being disrespectful. Nor does he love his aging father. His resentment is seen in his motive. His resentment is seen in his mentality. Watch, watch what he says. He says, your son. Not, not my brother. Your son have wasted your goods on prostitutes. Stay with me now. He has not talked to the father nor the son to know what he spent the money on in the first place. But he assumes he spent it on prostitutes because that's what he would have done had he had the opportunity. And we usually judge people by what we would do if we got a chance. I, I see some of you older brothers cringing in here this morning. I, I see some of you elder brothers getting upset and flinching and getting ready to get your purse and get out of here because you know I'm finna get on your street. You've never been high, you've never been drunk, you've never been out, you've never been on Facebook with a drink in your hand, but you've been in church mad. You've been in God's presence dissatisfied. God gave you blessings and God showered you with his goodness. God has given you pleasures that you didn't even ask for and you come in his presence every week and never open your mouth. How dare you, you elder brother? I see you. I see you. You're so respectable looking. You're so erudite. You shine whenever you come in a room. But underneath that makeup, underneath that three-piece suit, underneath that portfolio, Underneath that curriculum vitae is a heart of anger and resentment against other people 
who did what you would have done if you had a chance. You're not so moral. You ain't that holy. You just ain't had a chance. See how quiet you're getting right there? I I, want to say it again. The only old people who don't like young people is old people who didn't have fun when they were young people. And I'm not talking about fun like, you know, being out getting a sexually transmitted disease and, and, and getting, you know, drugs and got a house full of methamphetamines. I'm not talking about that kind of fun. I'm talking about you enjoyed your youth and now that you passed that, you're ready to enjoy the low. See how you missed that point? Once you get past that chunk of being young, you come into understanding that God's been so good to you in your youth, now you need to enjoy him since you got good sense. You don't have any sense in your 20s and in your 30s. Come on, help me preach it. Because you think you're going to live forever. By the time you cross over into your 40s and 50s and 60s, you start realizing that the rope behind you is longer than the rope that's in front of you. Have I got a witness here? And you start learning how to thank God for small stuff. Thank you that I woke up this morning. Thank you that I'm in my right mind. Thank you that I got food on my table. Thank you that I got a job to go to in the morning. Thank you for a reasonable portion. He says, your son, not, not my brother, your son has wasted your goods on prostitutes. Look at, look at his, his methodology. Look at how he reasons. He says, all these years, I've been serving you. I want you to get this. I want you to get how lost this boy is. I want you to get how lost this boy is. He says, all these years, I've been serving you. That word serving you in the text is, all these years, I've been your slave. And you never gave me a party. He has been, all these years, his father's son. But for all these years, he regarded himself as a slave. You got sonship, and you acting like a slave. You got privileges, and you acting like a servant. I'm talking to some elder brother in here. That God has blessed you with privileges, but you can't enjoy them because you don't want nobody else to have the father. You, you, you don't want this young boy to come home because you resent him being lavished with affection. All these years I've been your slave. 
And you ain't never told me to invite my friends to have a party. Did it occur to him that he never asked? Because a good time could have been had by this boy if he had just asked. God doesn't want to withhold anything from you. All you got to do is ask. Don't resent when God is blessing somebody else. Just ask. I wish I had some noise right here. Don't get mad when God is opening the doors for somebody else. Just ask. Don't get upset when God is making a way for somebody else. Just ask. And if you ask, it shall be given. That's what the Bible says. If you seek, you can find it. If you knock, the door will be open unto you. Don't, don't get upset with somebody because they saved their money and spent wisely. Now they can go wherever they want to go. And here you are, 71, and can't retire because you spent all your money in the far country. See how I slipped that in on you real... I, I, I was real smooth right there. I just slipped that in. You You wasn't even look. I put a Mickey in your drink and you weren't even looking for it. Don't, 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 don't hate on her because she's looking good in her 60s because she didn't waste her life in the club. And your tattoo started right here. But now that you're 70, it's down here. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. While the evil days come not. Nor the years draw nigh. If you take care of yourself when you're young... You look good when you get old. If you provide for your family and be responsible when you're young, God will give you the, commit yourself unto the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This older boy is mad with a son who won't get anything. The father says, everything is yours. And you're still mad? What is God going to have to do for some of y'all to get you to praise his name? When you were sick, who healed you? When you were broke, who came to your rescue? When you were down to your last dime, who stepped in right on time? When you were lost and on your way to hell, who reached down and saved you? What is it going to take to get you just to say thank you?
too often, too often we look at God's love as a guardrail to imprison us rather than a fence to protect us. Too often we look at God's love as a guardrail to imprison us rather than a fence to protect us. That father knew outside his yard that boy had failed already. But he loved him enough to go ahead. And love, when it is real, has to let go even when you know they're going to mess up. I'm trying to help some parent here right now. You got to let your children hit it hard sometimes for them to realize how good they had it in their mama and daddy's house. You got to stop being a helicopter parent. Stand right over them, hovering over them, trying to protect them. You can't protect them from life. You can't protect them from being hurt. You can't protect them from being used. You got to let them go so they can learn on their own. I said to my daughter, I said to my daughter a year or so ago, you got 10 days to make up your mind if you're going to go to school or be a fool. I'm, I'm serious as cancer in the last stage. And, and, and here, here, is the, here is the small print. If you're going to be a fool, I'm not going to finance it. I am not going to subsidize stupidity. You can be a fool outside my house. I love the ground you walk on, but I'm not going outside playing with you. And that was painful for me to have to say to her because she's the apple of my eye. But love, when it is real, has to make some tough choices. Love, when it is true, has to stop being a helicopter and move out of the way and let you make some mistakes. The eagle pushes those little eaglets out of the nest after he has fed them all these years. He pushes them out of the net, the nest after making the nest uncomfortable. We've made it too comfortable for our children. No bills, no lights to turn off. Talk back to me if you can. A car that you paying the insurance on, you putting the gas in because you don't want them to get out of the bed and go to work? Are you crazy? All you're doing is raising a sorry young man for some unfortunate girl to marry. All you're doing is raising a sorry girl that some young man is going to bring right back to your house. She can't cook. She can't wash. All she want to watch all day long is the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And she's talking like a fool. 
You were nice enough to give her to me. I'm nice enough to bring her back. We owe our children roots of responsibility and wings of independence. I met a young man. I met a young man last week or week before last in revival. I was on the north side preaching. And he and his mother, he came up to me and said, Reverend, I want to thank you and I want to jump on you. And so I didn't have my boys with me. So I, I kind of kept my voice low. And I said, what is this all about? He said, my mother heard you preach at Lily Grove. And you told her, put me out. I want to jump on you. But I want to thank you. Because I never would have become a man if she had not put me out of the house and made me take some responsibility. Somebody ought to help me preach it. God loves us enough to give us the freedom to walk away from him, but then he gives us the good sense to come back home. And aren't you glad you came back home? Aren't you glad your reasoning returned and you got out of the pig pen and came back to your father's house? Thank God you had a father's house to go back to. But I want you to see one last thing about this older boy and I'm going to leave you alone. He's as lost in the house as that younger boy was in the far country. Because he is as disrespectful or more disrespectful. Because while the party is going on, he disrespects his father by refusing to come in. And his father has to leave his guests and go outside. And the scripture says, entreat him. That word entreat him means the father went outside and begged him. He begged him to come in the house. He said, son, don't act like that. All my stuff is for you. I've always loved you. You're my oldest child. Don't act like that. Your brother is home. He was lost and he's found. He was dead and he's alive. Don't act like that. Don't feel that way. Come on in the party. I'm begging you. To come have a good time. And the scripture closes open-ended. Because we don't know until today if that boy ever went in the party. Here's why I think Jesus left it like that. And I'm going to leave you alone for real this time. This is, this is the third time. I got two more times to say I'm going to leave you alone. Here is why I believe that this story ends abruptly. It seems to fall off a cliff that there seems to be no ending to the story. We do not know if the boy ever went in the house. 
And I think Jesus left it that way for us not only to see ourselves in the story, but for us to write our own ending. The choice is yours. You can stay outside if you want. You can come in the party if you want. But the party ain't going to stop because you stay outside. Somebody ought to help me go to my seat. I got one more time to go to my seat. I know how I'm going to write the ending of the story for myself. You can stay out here and pout if you want. You can stay out here and get mad with people if you want. But I'm going in the party. I'm going in the house. Because there's partying going on in the house. I'm not staying out here with you sour elder brothers. Too many of us come to church who never enjoy God. I wish I had one or two more witnesses. We hear the Bible stories, we, hear, we read the Bible, we hear the sermons, and we keep our head down the entire worship. We never say amen, we never say thank you Jesus, we never lift our hands, we never cry, we never give God any glory because we come to church and pout. Sit down and sit unmoved as if you got a right to be in this sanctuary. No one of us got a right to be in here today. By right, all of us ought to be dead and in our grave. I wish I had somebody to help me preach it. I wish I had somebody who could look in the rearview mirror of your own life and see how far God has brought you. You made it not because you went to college. You made it not because you had a good husband or a good wife. You made it not because breaks were given to you. It was nobody but the Lord who pushed doors open for you. It was nobody but the Lord who provided for you when you didn't know which way to turn. You know how you got as far as you've gotten? It was the Lord pushing you. It was the Lord protecting you. It was the Lord making a way for you. Some of us came from some bad backgrounds. And there's nothing in your background that says you ought to be where you are right now. But look at God. And look how far God has brought you. You can stay out here and pout with the elder brother if you want. But I'm going in the house. I'm going where the music is. I'm going where the dancing is. Because wherever there is a good time, that's where the Father is. And wherever the Father is, that's where heaven is. Is there anybody here want to go with me in the house? Leave them people pouting next to you. Get away from them folk mad next to you. Stop fooling with them people who don't like to come to church. Come on with me to my father's house. There is joy in the father's house. There is peace in the father's house. There is love in the father's house. 
Is there anybody here want to go to the party with me? Is there anybody here want to come and celebrate with me? If you can still remember what you used to be like when you were in the world. If you can still remember how you used to carry on when you were in the world. You would start dancing before you got to the party. I wish I had a witness here. You would start drinking before you got to the party. So by the time you got to the party, you already had a buzz on. By the time you got to the party, you had already practiced your dance steps. You had already put out what you were going to wear. You already put it on the bed before you got ready to go to the party. I wish I had somebody to help me close here. Since I met Jesus, by the time I get to church, I already got my buzz on. By the time I get to church, I already put my clothes out. I know what I'm going to wear before Sunday morning. Because I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Is there anybody here want to get your praise on? Get away from them pouting people. Get away from them mad looking people. Get away from them ugly acting people. Come go with me to my father's house. There's a party going on in my father's house. Why don't you grab somebody? I want you to help me preach to them. I want you to say to them just what I say to you. I want you to preach it just like I preach it. Grab somebody by the hand and preach it just like I preach it. Don't leave nothing out. Preach it just like I preach it. Look at your neighbor and preach it like I preach it. Tell them if you don't believe, I've been redeemed. Follow me down to the Jordan stream. Come on, tell another neighbor. Grab him by the hand. Preach it just like I preach it. Tell him I know my robe is going to fit me well. I tried it on. Tried it on at the gates of hell. If you know you've been born again, come on, help me testify. If you know God's been good to you, come on, help me shout a minute. If he's opened doors for you, help me pray the name. If he made a way for you, let me see your hands. I told you a party's going on. Wave your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. It's a party going on. The Lord's been good. Why don't you hug somebody? Tell them you don't know. Like I know. I know he's all right.
I've been washed. I've been washed in the blood. I've been redeemed. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. The reason I'm carrying on, the reason I cut up so much, you think I'm acting a fool now. You think I'm shouting now. You think I'm praising now. You ought to wait till I see Jesus. You ought to wait till I get my mansion. You ought to be there when I get my robe. I'm going to shout so I'm practicing right now. I need somebody here who's practicing right now. Help me praise the Lord. Help me magnify his name. He's worthy. 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 I know he's all
Hi, I'm Bill Gaither, and what you just saw was uh, a five-minute video of Where Could I Go But To The Lord, featuring the vocal band and many of our dear friends from the past. Um, we did this back in early spring, and it was a special day. We were looking forward to it for a long time. When the day finally arrived, they all came in about 9 o'clock in the morning. We drank coffee and told old stories and all of that. Then we started doing the video. And really, uh, it was pretty exciting, uh, a lot of the uh, things that just happened spontaneously. Lucky enough, we uh, arranged to have a camera crew to come in to say, just let the thing roll, because it's hard to tell what might happen here today. Well, thank God we did, because uh, we did the video and did the song, and it was great and special. And then I think we had chicken brought in and had a good time eating and talking about old times and all of that. And then we had to get around the piano to take a, um, we had to take a photo for the, uh, for the session. So we did that. And Eva May started playing, and they started singing. And what happened uh, is it was just too hard to describe. As I said, thank the Lord, the cameras were rolling and the sound was on. Now, this is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination because we didn't know a lot of the arrangements we were singing. We were just singing spontaneously. But the Lord kind of came in and visited that place in a very, very special way. And so what you're going to see in the next oh, 55 to 60 minutes will be some of what happened during the six or seven hours that we were together that day. Now, you have to keep in mind that uh, the vocal band was part of this, and with the vocal band comes Mark Lowry, who thinks he really is a producer. So from time to time, he's going around telling the various people what to sing. But there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of joy, there's a lot of wonderful fellowship, a lot of laughter, a lot of tears, and I hope it'll bless you. I suppose Eva May summed it up best when we were going around and uh, asking each one, what has been happening in your life lately? And it was good to hear some real good reports. I, and I want to say this. I've had a brand new anointing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and that has to come every once in a while. You've got to be strong. You can get so far out in the tree, uh, forest, you can't see the trees at times, you know, and, and uh, things fade away. But I am so glad that for the last four or five years that God has touched my life anew. Mm -hmm. And I've got joy and peaceful. Yeah, amen. So cool. mm -hmm. And today as we sing, I just hope God will just fill this room and anoint each one of us. Well, the Lord must have heard her prayer because a blessing it was, and the whole afternoon started out with Eva May playing as only she can play. Well, it didn't take long for community to happen after Eva May started playing. 
Pretty soon the entire group was gathered all around the piano and they were singing Albert Brumley's great song, I'll Meet You in the Morning. also there uh, directing his great song, What a Day That Will Be. We hadn't been there very long until we were saying, wouldn't Dad and Mom Spear love to have been here on a day like this? And uh, R.W. Blackwood and Bill Lyles and Denver Crumpler, the list went on and on. And then uh, George Yance started talking about Chief and said, I remember a story of the Chief uh, about a week or so before he died. Chief uh, and I were, were buddies, you know, we were friends, and, uh, but uh, they had just been in San Antonio and Chief had an abscess tooth that was absolutely killing him. And uh, so uh, he called me over that night in the Constitution Hall and he said, I'll just have to talk like Chief to tell it. But he said, uh, say, George, come here, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell this to most people, but you're my buddy. You'll understand me said, in San Antonio, Friday night, said, backstage, and I was aching, had an abscess tooth, and I was sitting there with my eyes closed, and I was aching my jaw. He said, I opened my eyes, and I seen these pair of feet, these four feet, right in front of me. I opened my eyes, and I looked up, and two little ladies with bonnets on them. And I said, evening, ladies. They said, Mr. Chief. I said, yes, ma'am. said, we don't know why God sent us back here. Only we know he sent us back here to touch you. said, we don't know where you're hurting. She said, can we pray for you? I said, little lady, pray. said, she took her fingers and laid it on my cheek as light as a feather. 
And she prayed the sweetest prayer I ever heard. And he said, George, I wouldn't tell his mother, I ain't had a pain. Said she lifted her fingers off my cheek. I just want to share God's touch on my life. See you in 
Your servant 